0: Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's podcast, we have Draft Talk with Jackson Hoy of The Stepien. Uh, The Stepien is, for my money, the best site on the NBA draft since ESPN bought and then hollowed out Draft Express. Jackson and I discuss point guards that could fit in a backup role with the Pistons, uh, wings that we think will be available with the 42nd pick, and we of course talk about one offensively gifted big man with local ties. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, like, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the post on Detroit Bad Boys. It's the best way for us to build the podcast according to what the fans want. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be, because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I'm your host, Lazarus Jackson. I'm pleased to be joined today by uh, Jackson Hoy from the Steppian. Jackson, how are you?
1: I'm doing great, Lazarus. Thanks for having me on today.
0: Yeah, no problem, man. Uh, and the reason we're having you on is because the Combine was last week and uh, we finally have kind of names and faces and, and numbers to put to guys and uh, questions about performance and whatnot. And so... We wanted to bring you on for uh for your draft uh intelligence. Are you ready?
1: I'm absolutely ready. I love talking to these guys. All
0: right. So uh the first guy is a guy that um I don't think will make it to forty two where the Pistons have their second round pick, but is very uh but I've seen him all over the board, and that's uh, Villanova's Jalen Brunson. Uh he projects to be like a very serviceable backup uh point guard. Uh but we don't really know if his style of play kind of can uh, elevate itself beyond that. Um, He's a a pretty good at getting into the lane, but uh, he finishes with like jumpers and floaters and uh, short shots in the lane rather than like getting all the way to the rim and drawing fouls. Um, He can play defense. Um, But what's your evaluation of uh, of Jalen Brunson?
1: So Brunson, obviously super skilled. I think that that's pretty obvious just from looking at his statistical profile, watching him play, uh, the ability to make shots off the dribble at a really high rate which is really impressive for him. Obviously, a little bit limited in terms of size. That's probably the big caveat with him. And that extends to defense where only 6'2 and a a quarter with a 6'4 wingspan, just very unathletic one block in just three years at Villanova. I think that there's like very low history of NBA players ever really turning into successful guys with that low block numbers. But I think Brunson is the type of guy who could really be an exception with his amazing skill level, his great feel for the game. I mean, he's always been... Just elite in terms of assist to turnover ratio, putting just finding his teammates, setting them up. He's a really great post up player because he's got a really strong lower body that was one of the unique avenues of creation for him at the college level. And it remains to be seen how well that's going to translate to the NBA for him because not a whole lot of point guards, especially six point guards, are doing a whole lot of posting up. But he's just a very interesting player, and I think with a team like the Pistons, who could use that point guard who could take care of the ball, hit open shots, and just play us a role. That doesn't necessarily have to be a star player getting that pick at 42. If he's there, I think that that's good value for him. I was a little bit higher on him earlier in the year, but I've kind of soured off a little bit just because of the some of the physical limitations. They're going to hold him back. I think he still could be a really useful backup point guard offensively. There are a lot of you know really talented backup point guards today, Fred VanVleet, Tyus Jones, all those sorts of guys, and Brunson could definitely sort of fall into that group potentially. I don't know if he's going to be quite the defensive player that either of those guys is. Just because he's not very quick, he just doesn't really have the physical dimensions to be that sort of player, but he's absolutely got really a dynamic offensive bench backup point guard type of game.
0: So uh, another guy I think that kind of fits that that backup point guard role uh, and it projects to fit that backup point guard role really well is uh, Kansas Devontae Graham. Uh, I know that you're a Jayhawks fan, and I, so I assume you've gotten a pretty good look at him over the last four years. Uh, the physical limitations are definitely there. I think he measured uh, like six foot flat without shoes, and uh, if you if you just look at him, he looks slight. He looks very uh, very skinny, but uh, he's a very good three point shooter, and uh, he drew a lot of fouls. He, his free throw rate was uh, took a huge jump in his senior year. So I guess my question is. Uh, I know he projects as a backup point guard, but do you think, uh, was there like something in skill level or do you think that he can uh, continue to to draw fouls at the rim at, in the NBA?
1: Um, I don't think he's much of an inside the arc player in the NBA. I think that a lot of that jump this year, you saw, was just sort of uh, forced out of his role. It's just not really his MO. He doesn't really have that sort of skill set, just not really that type of athlete. But the good news for him is that he is a really, really talented shooter, as you're talking about. He's good at playing off of other good players as well. I, just, I mean, throughout his career at Kansas, I've sort of seen him as a guy who's probably going to look better in the NBA um, because he's he just plays better when he's surrounded by better teammates, when he gets to play off the ball a little bit. I don't know that the Pistons are quite the ideal fit for him because ideally you put him on a team with a bigger ball handler like your 76ers, your Cavaliers, your Milwaukee, a team where he can be sort of a point guard but doesn't have to be the full-time handler just because that's not really where his skills fit in. He did have that big jump in assists this season, but I still don't really see him as that type of point guard. But he's a guy who can hit shots off the dribble really well. He's more of a shot maker than a, a playmaker at this stage. So if that's what you're looking for in your backup point guard, he can give you that. But uh, I think that you have to sort of have a specific team construct to go and grab a guy like that. But he's that's probably a good value area for him. I'd like him in there he measured out i think with a 66 six and a quarter wingspan which is pretty solid he's been a couple of years all big 12 defensive team i don't know how well his defense is really going to translate to the nba but he is locked in he can move his feet pretty well so it's better than nothing from the point guard position
0: okay uh he he kind of uh he struggled against uh Javon Carter in 5 on 5s yeah and and that made me worry a little bit because you know Javon Carter is a very good defender at the college level but uh, he really had trouble with his uh, quickness, and like that's something that he's going to see in other less defensively-minded guards at the NBA level. And so I was a little worried about that. But he, he bounced back in the second scrimmage uh, to play pretty well, so I was encouraged by that. Um, one guy that didn't scrimmage was Hamadou Diallo, um, Kentucky guard. Uh, he's a freak athlete. He's someone I think that Pistons fans have had their eye on for a couple of years now. Um, did the extra year at Kentucky help him in any way, skill-wise?
1: Uh, I, I really don't think so. He's a guy who I am very reluctant to buy into at all just because uh, my way of looking at things, I just don't want to take a chance on a guy who's so far behind in terms of knowing what to do on the court and so far away in terms of skills. But I think the athleticism is definitely the enticing thing. Uh, the problem with that is I think that functionally it doesn't show up that much He's not really beating guys off the dribble as consistently as he, he should. He's not using it to his advantage on defense. He's a terrible defensive player. He's, he's always upright in his stance. He gets beat so easily, which is just incomprehensible for a guy who you see his athletic testing, the way he can move out in the open court. Like As a run-and-jump athlete, he's right up there with anyone in his draft, but for him, he just doesn't functionally apply it to the game. I do think, though, there are some flashes that you see from him, Some a little bit of pull-up shooting in the mid-range, which is promising. He has a little bit of touch on his floater. He'll early in the season he was a bit stronger in terms of scoring, getting to the rim. He really kind of disappeared for Kentucky in SEC play and down the stretch. But he's he's still an interesting player just due to the youth. But he really should have come out last year for his sake, use that mystery to his advantage. Because I think once people saw him, it's. I mean, he's. I don't see anyone picking him as a first round pick, which is kind of crazy for a guy with his physical tools and youth, just because he's so far away in terms of skills and understanding of the game that. The teams just don't want, don't want to take a guy like that. So if if you're sitting there at 42, I think you probably have some some better options than him just because you, you don't want to bring – like a guy like that, nine times out of ten, doesn't turn into anything. You're kind of just wasting a pick. And, you know, 42 in the draft, a lot of the time you're not hitting a pick, but Diallo is setting you extra behind because you're going to have to invest a lot into him to really coach him up. And do you really want to have to invest that much into a guy who you're picking in the second round? So I, I wouldn't I, – he would not be my guy there.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I think so. What the Pistons are really looking for is not necessarily like an impact player at 42, obviously, but uh, someone who can step in and play in case of injury. Uh, they've had they've had injury troubles uh, the past couple of years at point guard, and so um, I think that's that's like a really uh, that's a really big point of concern for Pistons fans. So having a guy in that development spot who sounds like wouldn't be ready to play right away. Isn't necessarily something I'm as interested in, e- in either, but I will say that uh, this team has also kind of lacked um, a nuclear athlete for a very long time, and so I can I think that that uh, that archetype appeals to people just because they haven't seen it on the on the Detroit Pistons in a while.
1: Yeah, yeah. If I was, I think a couple guys who might be able to fill that mold that you know young athlete who could play some point guard. A couple guys that I like maybe in this range would be Carson Edwards from Purdue. Um, real talented shot maker, sort of like a, a young, a little bit like a younger version of Devontae Graham, maybe with a little more athleticism, with a little bit less passing mixed in. He's really the type of guy who's going to need to play next to one of these tall ball handlers. But if you want to try to mix him in and say, just go out and score for us, that's what he can do. Is he, he's a really great pull up shooter. He can get to the rim really quick. Um, elite off ball three point shooter. Like he's he's six one. I think he measured out with like a six 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 five wingspan, something like that. So he's got solid size. Oh, he's he's only six foot in shoes actually. So. Yeah, six foot and shoes, but with a six six and a quarter wingspan, which helps out a lot. I, I really like him. I think he plays off of other ball handlers well. And again, I don't know how well that fits for the Pistons. But Kai Bowman, the other guy from a Boston College, uh, really aggressive athletic guard who gets to the rim. A great rebounder for his size. Uh, maybe a bit more of a streakier shooter than a guy like Carson Edwards, but probably more physical, uh, downhill type of guy. Maybe a little bit better of a passer, too. So both of those guys would definitely be options in this range. I would bet... Bowman probably ends up going back to school because he is not signed with an agent, so um, he might not even end up being in the draft. But if I wanted to look at like a athletic point guard in this ranger, and I guess Aaron Holiday is another guy we could talk about too, but he sounds like he might be off the board late first, probably yeah. earlier than this.
0: Yeah. So I thought I thought Edwards Edwards yeah. I thought Edwards was going back to school. That's what I had heard at least. And oh so. yeah,
1: I think I think the deal with him is he declared with the intention to go back to school. So he hasn't like officially announced, but it's kind of expected.
0: Yeah. And then, uh, who was the other name you brought up?
1: Uh, Kai Bowman from uh, Boston College.
0: I've literally never heard of that dude. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, i I didn't watch a ton of Boston College this year, but uh, if you are ever checking out Jerome Robinson or you know you want to see someone from Duke or Miami or whoever, uh, Bowman Bowman's an interesting player to watch. I think he probably needs another year of consistent shooting under his belt to really uh, wow teams, just because he's kind of undersized. But he's he's an interesting prospect for sure.
0: And and Holiday has kind of slid a little bit. I think. Because mm-hmm. of the measurables. But uh do you I really don't think there's a chance he makes it to forty two. Is that possible?
1: I based on what I've seen, I would doubt it. I mean, I've seen him going as high as like in the top twenty, which I don't understand. I would have him in this range as like a, a target guy, but in terms of talent, but he doesn't sound like he's gonna last that long. I my concern with him is just I don't think he's a very good decision maker and I don't think his defense is gonna translate very well to the next level. There are a lot of there's like a strange amount of off ball point guards in this year's draft, and he's another one of those dudes. Where it's like he can make shots, he can play off the ball, but he's not a guy who you want making a whole ton of decisions. He can get to the lane, but he's not really like a, a pure point guard, pure backup point guard by any sense in the mold of like a Jalen Brunson, for example.
0: Okay. So uh another one of those guys I think is a good off ball point guard is uh Landry Shamet out of Wichita State. Uh he didn't really impress me in the five on fives, but uh, he did when I watched like film of him like during the year, he did kind of impress me. So what's your what's your thoughts on him?
1: Yeah, I like Shamet. He's He's a guy who I th- like personally. I think should be gone by this point in the draft. I would have him probably borderline first roundish type of guy. Just a really dynamic shooter. One of the, probably one of the best in this draft in terms of just being able to get it off, off movement, good footwork, plants, squares the basket, high release, quick release. Like all, all the superlatives about shooting. He's he's got it, and he's got solid size. Everyone was expecting him to measure out with a huge wingspan. I was never really that in on it, but in terms of like a combo guard, six foot and a, six foot five and a quarter with a 6'6 six, six and 3 quarters wingspan, that's a pretty solid size. He's pretty lanky, skinny, so not exactly the most physical type of player. Um, can kind of struggle to finish at the rim and doesn't have the greatest off-dribble burst to get there. But he's a pretty solid secondary decision maker, and he has a little bit of juice to get downhill. And then defensively, uh, good instincts on the perimeter, really smart defender. Probably not ever like a physical man-to-man type of guy, but he's good in a team scheme. I think he's a little bit overrated by some people. I've seen him top 20, even like top 15 on some people's boards just because they really love his shooting. And I think think his defense is a little bit fake just because I don't know how well it's going to translate with his physical profile. But in this range, I think he's really good value as a guy who can shoot and add a little bit to your defense. Um, Maybe I think a comp I would make that might make sense to Pistons fans is sort of like a poor man's Luke Kennard. Um, He's got some similar strengths to a Luke Kennard type of player, um, similar size. So I think that... Those two players, um, if you're looking for another guy in that sort of mold, maybe Schemette's a bit more point guardy than Kennard is more shooting guardy. Um, those two guys are kind of similar.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I know there have been like low rumblings among fans that like Luke should play some point guard. Uh, not necessarily because he's like an excellent ball handler, but because like he's such a good shooter and he moves the ball really well. And so uh, I can definitely like see that being a backcourt that would be intriguing, uh, long term. I, I wonder how that backcourt would fare defensively though. That would be my main concern.
1: Yeah, I mean, you get two six five guys together. That does help, especially with a guy like Schmidt who has pretty good instincts. And I, I've always liked Kennard's instincts a little bit more than I think some other people have. So I don't think he's necessarily guaranteed to be horrible defensively. But well, that would definitely be you know, no, neither of those guys is really a stout defender by any means.
0: Yeah, definitely. So a guy that is a stout defender that we mentioned a little earlier is uh, is Javon Carter. Um, is he? Is he? Is he? Does he project to be like anything more than like a middle class like Patrick Beverly? Like not that that's a bad thing, but like is that who he is?
1: I I think that's about who he is. I think just his lack of elite length really limits him from being the true Beverly because is a lot longer can affect closeouts or excuse me can affect shots on closeouts a lot more easily. Carter just six four and a quarter wingspan at six one and a half, but he uses every inch of his body on defense. You know, obviously, absolutely sh- super strong. He has some of the strongest arms and hands in the draft. He's a menace, just poking the ball loose on drives and hitting the ball away from guys. Any guys who are less strong than him, he's going to just rip the ball away a lot of the time. And really good moving his feet. So defensively, in terms of being an on-ball pest, he's great. But as I was alluding to, I think some of his sometimes his closeouts aren't all that effective, just because his arms aren't all that long. And so, and so in a team scheme, that does limit his effectiveness a little bit. But that aggressive defense at the point of the, uh, point of attack is going to be valuable. And then he really started flashing some better shot making as the season went on, um, was creating space and hitting off the dribble against some NBA athletes. Um, in that Kentucky game where uh, Kevin Knox went off earlier in the year and uh, Kentucky ended up beating West Virginia. Javon Carter was kind of carrying them on offense late in the game and was taking and making a lot of tough off dribble jumpers against NBA defenders like Shea Gildas Alexander. So seeing him be able to do that is really impressive. Uh, probably not a, a guy who gets to the rim a whole lot. That's kind of a theme with these second roundish point guards is probably not going to, be getting the lane a whole lot for you, but he can really knock down shots from outside, can head off the dribble and create his own shot a little bit. And then a, a pretty smart passer, I think, uh, really just was the the lead man in that offense for West Virginia this year, created a whole ton for them. So he could definitely be in that Patrick Beverly mold. He's I think he definitely has the upside to be one of the better backup point guards in the NBA. So he he might be my pick here uh, in terms of a fit for the Pistons, because I think he's a little bit more of, a, of an on-ball guy than maybe a Carson Edwards in terms of, facilitating an offense but he's another one of these guys who i think is probably best next to another creator where i don't know that that's exactly what the pistons have
0: that's fair do you, with carter do you think he'll be a better distributor with uh with with nba level talent around him because that was always my question like west virginia doesn't really have that many guys on offense right
1: yeah it's weird they they do they do space the floor pretty well they, they usually play uh three shooters and then Kanate around carter so he'd have you know, a couple forwards that basically all they would do is stand in the corner. So he did have those nice driving kick opportunities to them. And then you'd have Daxter Miles next to him, a sort of streaky shooter who takes some shots off the dribble. And then Kanate as like a dump man who would also facilitate some stuff out of the mid post. So I don't think it was the worst offensive infrastructure, but it wasn't necessarily efficient. He didn't really have any high level shooters around him, except probably Lamont West, who didn't get a ton of shots up this year. So I think next to uh, on a team like the Pistons, it's going to have a lot more shooters around him. I think that he could potentially look a little bit better as a driving kick guy, because that's where the, the, the line share of his, his, came from. And he's, he's pretty used to playing with some stretch four types. Um, so I think that that, that might be a solid situation for him um, fitting him right in like that.
0: Okay. So uh, I got two more guys, uh, Trayvon Duvall, who I think honestly should be staying in school another year, but is kind of forced out by the recruiting class behind him. So uh, he's got, he's a guy I'm interested in just because like, physically he kind of profiles as like a as an nba point guard but uh, his decision making concerns me the fact that he shot under 60% from the free throw line concerns me uh, what can what else can you tell me about Trayvon Duvall?
1: yeah Trayvon is interesting i i think he's got some potential to be a really useful player in the nba just off of those physical tools that you mentioned and then the fact that he he had at least volume of assists and a decent assist to turnover ratio for a freshman uh, those two things in conjunction are encouraging. I think he does have some ability as a passer, but functionally he's not a guy like same in the same vein as Hamadou Diallo. He doesn't use his athleticism functionally. He's six two and a half with a 6'8 and a quarter wingspan, so theoretically that sounds great, but he doesn't get any rebounds. Part of that's playing next to a bunch of bigs on Duke, but he's just a like horrible rebounder, like two point six rebounds per forty minutes, pace adjusted. That's absolutely nothing. On top of that, never blocked any shots, even though theoretically his tools should allow him to do that more often. And then. He's just a wonky shooter who never really got into a rhythm, has never really been a very good shooter. And he's more of a vision passer than a sort of anticipatory creation type of passer, if that makes any sense, where he can find open shooters on the floor and get them the ball, but he's not throwing guys open or really creating a lot of plays for his teammates. So I think that that's a little bit less valuable. And he sort of padded his assist numbers that way, being surrounded by a lot of really great offensive options at Duke. But I think that there there is a chance he becomes a useful player. I wouldn't hate him in this range just because this is the the point in the draft where you t- sort of have to weigh ceiling versus immediate contributions what are you looking for you know if you're a team like the Pistons and you say we need to find a backup point guard with this pick you can get a backup point guard with this pick but if you want to take a swing on a guy who might actually be able to be a little bit more than that Duval would certainly be an interesting selection team.
0: Yeah I've seen Duval as high as uh, like 20 in the 20s and as low as 60 so uh, like that that kind of tells you like where kind of he's at among uh, everyone doing a evaluation. And uh, the last guy I want to talk about is uh, Elia Kobo. Um, I, I had not seen a lot of him and then actually found an article that you wrote in like February and I fell in love with the guy. He's six, three, He can score at all three levels. He projects defensively. Uh, the reason I, th- I think he's might be the, second best point guard in the class and the reason we haven't heard more about him is because he's been playing in France for the last two years it has any will he last to 42 I know the answer is no but like throw me a bone here
1: Um, I that would be awesome if he did for the Pistons I don't think he will I think yesterday he, he dropped 44 points on 17 shots and that kind of sealed the deal of him probably becoming a first rounder these last few months he's really been blowing up I think it sort of came in conjunction with um, his team, They, I think they fired the coach and got a new coach. And then in that same amount of time, okoba has been working with a mental skills trainer just because he's always been a really talented guy who's had these breakout, these breakout game potentials where he'd go off for something like this. Uh, in the U-20 tournament last summer, I think he had a game where he hit like eight or nine threes and at one point hit like three step-back threes in the span of two minutes. That's his, his pretty signature move is the, the step-back Three he's an amazing off-the-dribble shooter um, and also has great physical tools. That's the other thing with him, 6'3", as you mentioned, but with a 6'8", wingspan, and he's not you know super skinny or anything, and only 20 years old, so basically the age of an NCAA sophomore. But he's really improved these last few months, tightening up his decision-making, getting to the rim, and finishing there a lot more consistently. Uh, one of the problems for him traditionally has just been that he's been uh, an out-of-control finisher, hasn't had great touch on floaters, but he's really tightened that up recently, and he's started to be less in- inconsistent and more, his games are just sort of being consistently good, which is really impressive to see just from a guy with his tools. And like me personally, I probably have him in the lottery on my board given the way his performance has been trending in a Pro-A, which is a league that I think rates slightly better than the NCAA, but not like considerably better than the NCAA, not on the scale of like a League or ACB by any means. But the, the production he's had there is really, really impressive on top of the, the eye test ability that you see with him. I think the question there are some questions for him on defense but point guard defense, I think a lot of it comes back to physical tools and he's got some of the best physical tools for defending that position in this class. And he's had flashes where he's looked swishable onto some wings in the past. So that is promising. It just comes down to engagement and uh, mental consistency for him on that end. So that's always going to be a, a work in progress with him because that's been one of the things, but he, the good news is, is with him is if you watch some interviews with him, you can see that he he understands he needs to be more consistent and that's why he's working on it. So That's something that is always good to see from players, you know, understanding your weaknesses, that sort of thing. So if something weird happens, you know, there's some weird medical report or teams don't think they can get him out of his contract or something. Maybe he slips to 42, but I I would bet he's off the board just because the way he's been playing lately.
0: Yeah, that's that's totally fair and very disappointing. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Yeah, once, uh, once you see a guy, 6'3", left-handed, uh, taking step back threes, and then you notice he's left-handed and he's finishing with his offhand at the rim, it's like, that that seems like a lottery pick. Why haven't I heard of him? So that's pretty disappointing. Oh, but that's it for the point guards. There are some other guys out there like uh, like Shake Milton and D'Anthony Milton but uh, those guys are either uh, going, probably going to be off the board or I'm just not like really curious about them. But I want to ask you kind of about the wings. Uh, Josh Kogi is a guy who had a really good combine. Um, but can he play on the wing? Can he play the three at 6'4 in shoes?
1: Yeah, I think he was 6'4 and a half. And then obviously the, the big story with him is the 7-foot wingspan. And then he's got a pretty strong frame. I think he definitely has the potential to play that position. He's got some pretty solid feet, can really mirror guys and just swallow them up with that length on contests. It's pretty fun to just watch him. So he knows how long his arms are. He knows how to use it. So sometimes if he's got a guy beat and he's forcing the guy to take a shot, he'll just throw his arms up and there's nothing the guy can do. It's impossible to shoot over him. So the defensive tools are really where it starts for him. But offensively, he's got a pretty solid handle. Um, not super refined in that area. Doesn't have super advanced dribble moves but can really get to the rim. Uh, The weird thing with him is he's just not a good finisher at the rim at all. He has really poor body control. That's probably the biggest weakness for him, but he draws a ton of fouls, which does help sort of address that. Uh, I think 7.8 fouls, or excuse me, free throw attempts per 40 minutes pace pace adjusted, which is really solid. And he can finish from the free throw line pretty well. And then as a three-point shooter, he's solid. His form's a little bit methodical, not the quickest release, but he's good there. The problem for him, I think he's been overlooked just because, uh, his Georgia Tech team was just a really horrible team, one of the worst high-major teams in college basketball this season. They're just not fun to watch at all, not enjoyable to see. But Okoye was generating everything for them. Um, he was playing on pretty cramped floors and managing to get to the rim a lot, anyways. And he killed the athletic testing, which is weird because it doesn't show up functionally for him as a finisher. I think some of that has to come back to the body control that he just doesn't have the ability to really gather himself before he goes up. But as a, he can, he can score a little bit. He can defend. Um, his instincts on both ends are iffy. He's still kind of learning how to play. I'm not super sold on his basketball IQ, but as just a physical tools and production that especially as a guy who's as young as he is, he doesn't turn twenty until September. He's super young for a sophomore. I think he's probably worth like a, a top twenty, top twenty five pick. So if you got him at forty two, that'd be great value.
0: Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna start asking you about guys who I actually think will be there at forty two. Now, <laughs> uh, Kevin Hervey from uh, from Texas, not Texas, uh, a school in Texas, Arlington. UT
1: yeah, UT Arlington.
0: Um, he had a really good combine, uh, shot really well from the perimeter. Um, I kind of see uh, like a less athletic Robert Covington. Is that is that like a fair comp?
1: I think uh, a, a less athletic and very, very, very far away on defense Robert Covington. I think the comp that I've made for him, uh, which I see a little bit more as Pistons comp, would be Anthony Tolliver. Um, that's kind of been the guy that I've thought of him. As I think there are there is some similarities to Robert Covington, obviously, with the elite wingspan. So maybe he's like Anthony Tolliver with Robert Covington arms. But I just think that Covington was just kind of on another plane in terms of being able to move his feet and really just creating havoc on defense, even in college. Whereas Herbie's a little bit more passive on that end and has always kind of been really offensively oriented. But as a guy who's 6'8", 6'9", uh, with the 7'4 wingspan, uh, amazing handle which is uh, really impressive to see. He can create his own shot, shoot off the dribble quite a bit, and was really productive. I really like his shot. He's never really shot high percentages, but it's it's nice fluidity on it. He can get it off in a, a variety of ways for a guy his size. He's had some injury trouble, which I think has docked him a little bit uh, consistently. But as a, as a guy you want as like a combo forward, stretch forward type of guy, um, he's definitely an interesting bet because he's he's got a lot of indicators that he's probably going to be – you know, a, a long-term NBA player.
0: Yeah. The, the reason he's, he's, he might be available at 42 is because he's torn both of his ACLs, I think before turn 21. Mm-hmm. And so that's, like, yeah. that's always a long-term concern, but uh, I, I think that's a good enough. I don't add nothing I've seen from him. Like says that he's a guy who like really needs his athleticism to be effective. Yeah. So I'm, I'm less concerned about something like that uh, long-term. And so uh, next up we got uh, from Kansas. I'm going to, Butcher's name, Svi uh, Makalutuk, Makalutuk, Makayluk, Makayluk. Okay, okay. Uh, really, really good shooter, um, but can he can he play defense and can he initiate offense at the next level?
1: Um, defense, no, he's he's always been really bad on that end. Uh, the The story around him is the short arms, uh, Svi Rex. He's six seven and three quarters with a six four and three quarters wingspan. Ooh. So he he set a legendary minus three. Wingspan, I I think the big, greatest difference I've ever, or the greatest difference I've ever seen, is a minus four. So he's he's pushing that, but really dynamic shooter. Obviously, um, one of the best shooters in college basketball last year could really get hot. And the the thing that he really expanded this past season was his ability to shoot off the dribble and create for himself a little bit. His handle looked a lot better this season. He was really just had a greater package of dribble moves, which was nice to see. And for a senior, he's really young. He turns twenty one this summer. He got to Kansas when he was seventeen. So he's like the youngest senior in college basketball, which really helps him. He's basically the age of a junior and you have the shot making, you have the size at six foot seven, but the wingspan is obviously fairly limiting and he's never been that good on defense anyway, just kind of has a naturally thin frame that doesn't really handle contact well. But I think he could surprise some people with his effectiveness on defense just because he played so much for the past couple seasons for KU that he's always had to defend bigger players and not necessarily has, he hasn't necessarily done a great job of it, but he had to defend Marvin Bagley in the early eight and kind of did a, a fairly good job there. So he's he's shown the ability to compete on that end. I am not going to go ahead and write him off as a total zero. I doubt he's going to be a very good defender in the NBA, but if you have a guy who's as good a shooter as him who can create a shot a little bit and then at least hold his own on defense, that's certainly an intriguing prospect in this range.
0: Yeah, I think the concern, I think a lot of Pistons fans, Pistons fans have liked him, but the concern is like putting him and Kennard on the floor at the same time like, might be mm-hmm. really bad defensively. And uh, and so that's been a concern, but uh, he's definitely intriguing uh, to a lot of Pistons fans. Another guy that I I hadn't really thought about him a lot, despite the fact I live in North Carolina, uh, until five one five is when he kind of he kind of stood out to me for his ability to uh, initiate offense. Was was Theo Penson? Um, he can't, he really can't shoot. Like he's a terrible shooter, but he can yeah. do nearly everything else. And uh, so that I mean, can he be like a really 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 poor man's Ben Simmons?
1: I don't know about that. I think that the problem with him trying to be like a really, really, poor man's Ben Simmons is that he really needs the ball in his hands, and I don't think he adds enough to justify having the ball in his hands that much. You know, he's fairly switchable. He's got good feet, his long arms, like all the all the on-ball defense types of things that you'd want. But in team defense, he's average. I think that you, you kind of want him to see a little bit better – reactions there. I think he's got like good instincts and everything. It's just the IQ isn't always there for him, but as a guy who's just been hyper-efficient and really creates, or not necessarily uh, hyper-efficient, hyper-efficient as a creator for others, more in that mode, like a, a guy who's just a good decision maker at his size with length and athleticism. He's certainly intriguing as like a Swiss army knife type of guy. I just don't know that he really is good enough at any one of those Swiss army knife types of things to really stick around in the NBA um, he's he's again he's like, like you said he's one of those guys where it's like you don't really think about him and then you watch him and he can be impressive at times but a lot of the time he does kind of float away in games you'll yeah, forget that he's out there but just, just because he's such a non-threat as a scorer in every sense that it's kind of hard to stick on the floor um, playing like that but you know if if you think you have the right spot for him in like a you know like a weird sort of Draymond Greenish type of way I don't really know how you'd fit him in like that. He he's got some potential. I just he just doesn't really pop to me in the ways that I think I would like him to. You know, he doesn't have that shooting ability that you'd really want to see from him, even the slightest bit or the slightest hint of progress there. So I I I maybe would want him as like an undrafted guy, but at this range, I think there are some more interesting guys I'd rather have. Okay, Uh,
0: another guy I've kind of seen at the at the undrafted kind of G League type level, but uh, who's still intriguing is is Brian Bowen. Um, obviously, he didn't play college ball this year. Uh, do you think for for a team that uh, needs uh, talent on the wing long term, would he be worth uh, the development time it's going to take to get him up to speed?
1: I've never really been that into Bowen. I just think that he's a kind of classically overrated recruit who has size and scoring production. So that gets him you know that five-star ranking at McDonald's All-American, all that sort of stuff. But he doesn't really add value in any other areas. He's an all-right shooter, but he's not really like an elite shooter where he's bringing a ton of value off the ball. He he does, doesn't have a great physical profile. I think he's just got uh, barely longer arms than his height, if I remember correctly. Um, not the strongest guy. Doesn't really try that hard on defense. Not very advanced as a handler. Really not much creation for others. So he's just a guy who I think is more of like a G League player, just a guy who's going to be good for a long time in the G League or playing in China or something who can put up points but is never going to really help you win basketball games. So I'd rather take an investment on a different type of player um, if I'm trying to help him grow, especially because Bowen's kind of older for a freshman, if I remember correctly. So he's just not a guy that I'd be all that interested yeah, in.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's fair. And I think that's a, that's about where I'm thinking of him as well. But like people see like Jordan Brand, most outstanding player, and going to be available at 42, and think, like you know, why not?
1: Yeah. I mean, you could certainly do worse in that range just because you know if he does turn into uh you know like a Tobias Harris type of player that's a really nice return on that pick. I just don't see the likelihood of him doing that being very high
0: that's fair okay, so the pistons don't need a big man they're practically stuffed with biggs and Biggs is not centers are not like a premium position in today's NBA anyway but uh because he went to Michigan, I'm compelled to ask you about mo Wagner um I've seen him I've seen him in the first round I've seen him in like the fifties uh where where do you have mo Wagner?
1: I'm a huge fan of Mo Wagner. I have him somewhere in the 50s. I like Personally, I'm a huge fan of him, but his game, I think, doesn't translate very well to the NBA just because of the limitations he's going to have on defense. But offensively, I really love his game, and mainly because this season you saw how much he expanded his handle. Uh, in terms of biggest in this class, he might have the best handle. He's really refined in terms of his ability to get crossovers. He's routinely will mix in behind-the-back dribbles on his drives, which is pretty impressive. Um, can shoot off the dribble a little bit just to really – Crafty post score pick and pops like he's he's got a really fun offensive game and it's sort of like a, a Kelly Olynyk type of offensive game that we've seen be really effective in, in the playoffs where Kelly Olynyk's a situational big man. What separates him from a guy like Olynyk is that he's pretty limited defensively, um, which starts with his size. He's got decent size, six eleven and a half, with a seven foot wingspan and then a nine foot standing reach. That's fine, you know th- those are solid numbers for the center position, but he just can really get overpowered at times. He, he got a lot better at rebounding and boxing out this season. Give him credit for that. He was playing well within the team scheme, but Michigan kind of constructed their entire defense to hide him a little bit. And their defense was so much better when he was out of the game than when he was in. Part of that was due to John Teske uh, being one of the more underrated rim protectors in the NBA. Um, or excuse me, in the NCAA this season, he was really effective off the bench for Michigan. But that Wagner, just their defense was a lot better with him off just because he doesn't move his feet that well, all that well on the perimeter. Guys can finish over him around the rim. Uh, he just has some issues on that end that I don't think are really going to be cleaned up as he moves to the NBA. So you have that offensive creation upside, which I think makes him a useful situational player in the NBA. But his defense is it has the chance to just kind of make him more of a you – know, just a very situational player. So he's he's interesting. I just think you you have to price in the fact that he's probably not ever going to give you anything on that end besides some decent rebounding and the hustle that he brings, which I do appreciate.
0: For me he uh and this is this might be unfair to him, but uh he's just so duplicative with Henry Ellenson that it, it mm-hmm. that's not a pick that I'm interested in at all. But like I said, because you know we're in Detroit and he was a good player for a team that made it all the way to the NCAA championship game, I'm compelled to ask you about him. So thank of thank you for indulging me, Jackson. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um that that was really all the guys I had. I really appreciate you uh taking the time to come on um what's your what's your twitter handle how can people uh kind of read more of your analysis
1: yeah i'm at j hoy nba on twitter uh, i'm always posting stuff up at the step i also host the harvard homies nba draft podcast if you want to go check out some of my other nba draft thoughts i just uh, did a podcast earlier today about Luka Doncic and some euro league final four stuff so i'll have plenty of content at the step and on my podcast and wherever else leading up to the draft i'm sure i'll be doing plenty of specific team podcast appearances like this so thanks for having me on Lazarus I really appreciate it
0: no no thanks for uh thanks for coming on I would love to be able to talk to you about Luka Doncic but that's not going to happen
1: so (laughs) (laughs) yeah unfortunately uh, I don't think the Pistons are going to be picking number one this year
0: (laughs) all right thanks Jackson I am Lazarus Jackson uh, the host of the Detroit Bad Boys podcast um, and we will see you guys later this week